Welcome to the KNEO Community Connection, where we keep our finger on the pulse of what's coming up in the four-state area, telling you about upcoming events you don't want to miss, organizations in our area doing great work, and conversations with the dynamic citizens who are making it all happen. I'm your host, Luke Taylor, and this is a production of KNEO Radio in Neosho, Missouri, and the Sky High Podcast Network. We have a very encouraging interview for you today from Scott Douglas. He's the community manager at Henley Place in Neosho, and he's going to be talking about caretakers and some of the struggles that they deal with. We also have an interview for you today with Karen Sprinkle. She directs the Restoration Life Center in Neosho, and they are dealing with some repairs that have caused an interruption to their thrift store business. We're going to let her tell you all about that. But first, we have a conversation with a park ranger at the George Washington Carver National Monument. His name is Curtis Gregory, and we're going to be talking about Carver Day 2023. That's coming up on July 8th. Normally, we try to do this program with a focus on this weekend's upcoming events, but we're going to tell you about this one just a little bit early this time, because next week, we're going to be bringing you an episode right from the Newton County Fairgrounds as the annual Newton County Fair is going on. And so that's going to be more of maybe like a live episode. And so that'll be a little bit different format. We're going to be doing that next week. And we're going to be bringing you lots of features if you follow us on Facebook, lots of features of things going on at this year's fair. And so we're going to go ahead and tell you about Carver Day 2023 right now so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle of everything going on next week. But hey, Curtis Gregory, thank you so much for joining us today on the KNEO Community Connection. Hey, well, um, well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on your on your show. Well, I, I was really excited to talk to you today because you all have a really big day coming up. The 80th Carver Day celebration is going to be July 8th. And what do you want everybody to know about that? Yeah, well, uh, as you mentioned... Um, our the 80th um, Carver Day celebration is uh, Saturday, July the 8th, from 10 o'clock in the morning until 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and it's a day that we celebrate the establishment of the park, which was July 1943. Uh, the park has been here since for 80 years, so we're celebrating that, as well as the legacy and the accomplishments of George Washington Carver. Hmm. So, okay, so this has been uh, an annual celebration ever since the park was, was founded, so that's pretty cool. Um, and, and what kind of stuff is going to be going on that day out there? Yeah, so um, so we have, a, we have a wonderful day planned. We have um, guest speakers, we have music groups, we'll have a lot of activities for kids, um, we'll have resource, what we call resource um, education exhibitors will be set up on the front lawn, and they'll be, you know, having activities and um, for kids and um, other activities for adults, and we'll have a food concession, which is which will be provided by the Diamond Lions Club, and it's just going to be a wonderful, wonderful day full of activities and um, all um, um, in celebrating the, the park and George Washington Carver. Well, I'm sure a lot of people in this area have been out there pr- probably multiple times over the years. And so it looks like uh, but for this event on that day, it's going to be from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. This is probably a great time for people. If they haven't been back out there for a while, this would be a great time to come visit again, wouldn't it? Oh, definitely. It'll be a wonderful time to come out and reflect. Um, if you haven't been out at the park in, the, in, a, in, a, in a while, you know, we, most of, we have a lot of our, a lot of our vis- local visitors, you know, from various ages that have been out here throughout the year, especially on, on field trips, because most, uh, most kids in this area will come out for field trips. And then years later, they'll bring their families, and then they bring their families out. So it's a wonderful time if you haven't been out to the park in a while to come out and see some of the changes. But also just to come out and, and you know, just to 
uh, learn a little bit more about uh, about George Washington Carver, uh, and we have we have two outstanding speakers. We might, we have one speaker. If you wouldn't mind, I'll, I'll share a little Go. bit about our yeah, speakers. Please we do. have um, we have two speakers, two guest speakers. We have one speaker from the um, State Historical Society in Iowa, and he's going to talk about uh, George Washington Carver's years in Iowa. You know, a lot of our visitors that come to the park, um, many um, do not know about the Iowa connection, the Iowa years. Well, Carver spent uh, a short, well, he spent a fair amount of time in Iowa where he graduated. Well, he went to Iowa and he went to one school, Simpson College, and then he transferred to what is now Iowa State University, and he graduated with two degrees from what is now Iowa State University in Agriculture, the first black to receive both degrees, one in 1894 and master's degree in 1896. And so those years in Iowa were very special to him and very critical as well. And so we have this curator from the State Historical Society is going to talk about, you know, reflect on, on some of that. And then we have another speaker um, from the from the Thomas Hart Benton um, State Historical Site in Kansas City. And he's going to talk a little bit about Thomas Hart Benton and, th- and some of the work that Thomas Hart Benton did in painting um, Black Life. And he's going to talk about that he was one of the early, one, an early um, white uh, artist that um, would paint um, African American life mm. and culture and inequality as well. So we're very fortunate to have both of these wonderful speakers that um, that are going to reflect you know, on, on different aspects, on George Washington Carver's life and the black experience as well. Mm. Well, I, I bet people would love to come hear more about that and see some great things. You know, one more thing that's going on is you're going to have some music going on that day. Uh, it looks like some uh, some jazz, blues, and, and folk music that's going to be going on. And so people yeah. can just come out and, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if they're a music fan as well, they're going to find lots of stuff to love that day. Sure, yeah, we always, a part of Carver Day, um, music has always been a large part of, a huge part of Carver Day, so we got some great musicians. We have a local musician, um, Lim Shepard, which he's from Pittsburgh, Kansas, and many of your listeners may know Lim. He's a local jazz, blues, and folk musician, and that he does a wonderful job of tracing the history of African-American music um, throughout, you know, George Washington Carver's time, and he will share stories as well. Uh, We have a wonderful group um, from St. Louis. Um, They're known as Cherry and Jerry, and um, they will talk about the history of ragtime music throughout, you know, George Washington Carver's period as well, his lifetime as well, and they do a wonderful job. And we're very fortunate this year to bring back um, um, the Bright Star Touring Theater. And they're a national children's theater group from North Carolina, and they're going to present a play, which is kind of a musical on freedom songs throughout the history of kind of a, of, of the United States. So they, they do a wonderful job, and they do a wonderful job of inter, interacting with visitors, with, the, with, the, with their audience and children. So, yeah, we got a great day, great day planned, you know, and something else to share with your listeners is that it's free of charge. There's no charge to come to the park right. anytime or for this event as well. You know, I I visited the the park um, as a as a kid, uh, so I grew up in this area, and so I've yeah. visited it several times as an adult. Y'all have done such a great job maintaining that place out there and adding to it over the years, and uh, it just it just looks better than ever if people want to go out and visit. So there's going to be storytelling, there's going to be music, uh, speakers, educational programs, 
all kinds of stuff going on on July the 8th. And that's going to be at George Washington Carver National Monument. Starts at 10, ends at 3. It's their 80th annual Carver Day celebration. And we've been speaking today with Curtis Gregory. He's a park ranger out there. And hey, sir, thank you for your time today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having us on your show. And thank you for your continuous park support as well. Hey, absolutely. Let's let's keep talking as more stuff comes up in the future. Sounds great. Okay, don't go away. We're going to be back with another interview in just a few moments. We're going to have up ahead a conversation with Karen Sprinkle about what's been going on at the Restoration Life Center. And then after that, we have a special guest in studio to tell us all about the Henley Place. We have on the phone with us today, Karen Sprinkle, and she is the Executive Director of the Restoration Life Center, located here in Neo Show, and she, and uh, they've had a, some stuff going on over there that we want to make sure everybody knows about. And so, hey, Karen, thanks for joining us here on the program. Hey, thank you for having me. So, uh, you guys had a had an incident there uh, towards the end of May where a vehicle actually crashed into the thrift store at y'all's location, and um, this has caused a little bit uh, of a of a hang up in some of the services y'all can provide. Do you want to let us know about what's going on? We certainly did. We had an unfortunate accident that happened on May 22nd, and we have been shut down at our location there at Main Street, which is our thrift store, and that is the majority of our funding that funds the shelter here at 415 North High. We currently, the city has posted on the door that um, we have to be shut down uh, until repairs are done. We do not know when we will be able to start the repairs until we hear back from our insurance company, and um, they're waiting on the engineer, structural engineer's report. So as soon as we get that information, we'll be able to start picking a contractor to come in and do the work that's needed. Hmm. Okay. And so, yeah, I, I'd seen a write-up in the local paper that you all are looking at probably in the $50,000 range as far as repairs of what's going to be needed for that place. Well, that was just a soft estimate. We actually will have much more than that once they assess the structural portion of it. That was basically just like the cosmetic mm. um, aspects of the building. Okay. So, yeah, this was a, a major um, – I know it's a big detriment to what you all are trying to do because, like you said, it's, it's the thrift store is the main source of income for the Restoration Life Center um, ministry organization work that you do. And, and, yes. and tell us about some of those things that Restoration Life is, is is involved with. Well, we are known as a emergency shelter, but we've actually shifted our way of operating. Not only do we house people for 30 days here at the center, we also have work readiness programs. We help them fill out resumes. Um, we have developed three R's of Restoration Life Center, and that has relief, restore, and reestablish. And those can take up to a two-year-long process that somebody can stay with us, Um, just teaching them life skills and um, meeting them where they're at. So there's a lot that goes into what we do here at the High Street location. Then we also help with clothing, Red Cross, burnouts, hygiene, all all different kinds of things at the Main Street location, which is the thrift store. Mm. And so we know it's important that you all can keep doing that work. And so in the meantime, as you're getting the thrift store 
I'm trying to get the ship back on course over there. Uh, you're looking for a temporary location uh, where you can operate and, and, and sell sell some of those items. And so um, can you tell people what you're looking for as far as an alternative location for right now? Yes, we need a building that we could mainly put our clothing and our furniture in to uh, just open temporarily that we could sell our items to help fund the shelter. Okay. And so are you are you hoping to find something that's like nearby the current location or is it what what are you thinking as far as that goes? Honestly, if it's in the city limits of Neosho, we can transport our residents that work over there and as long as it's accessible, we're pretty we're pretty easy on that. We're just looking for something hmm. that would work. Okay. Well, in case anyone's listening and they have uh, an idea about something that could, they could do to help, or if they just have any questions, could could you give them an email or, or a phone number they can Absolutely. call? Absolutely. If they would go to rlcneosho.org, there is a spot there that they can give, or they can send me an email through the the link. So there's three different buttons that they can click on, and it will take them to whatever they're needing. They, and I also have a personal email. They can send any kind of uh, inquiries, which is ksprinkle.rlc at gmail.com. And we also have a phone number at 417-455-9393. And that is here at the shelter and we would be able to answer any questions at that time. Okay, well, hey, we'll let people go check that out and see what they can do to help if they have any ideas for location. Um, that is a need right now for the Restoration Life Center Thrift Store. And we've been speaking today with Karen Sprinkle. She's the executive director out there. Hey, uh, Karen, thank you so much for your time to tell us about all that. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Don't turn this off just yet. We have one more interview to bring you today. We're going to sit down with Scott Douglas of The Henley Place. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. For 60 years, Crowder College has been empowering students to soar to new heights. From agriculture to education, to business, sports, and the newest technologies, Crowder always has something interesting going on. I'm Adam Winkler of KNEO Radio. Join me each week as I talk to a different person from Crowder College about what's been happening and what's coming up next. It's the insider's guide to all things Crowder. Subscribe today to the This Week in Crowder College podcast, available from the Sky High Podcast Network. We have a special guest who's actually joined us in studio today. His name is Scott Douglas, and he is the community manager at the Henley Place, and that's located right here in Neosho. And Scott, hey, thanks for coming out and visiting us here at the radio station. It's great to be here, Luke. So maybe to start off, we'll tell everybody the Henley Place. Um, I, I want to let you introduce what that place does for everybody real quick. Well, it's an assisted living. Uh, most people I've noticed in Neosho remember it as Spring Hill, and it, it's owned and operated by AmeriCare, and still, even being changed to Henley Place, it's still operated by AmeriCare. And they changed the name a couple years ago. I arrived in Neosho around Thanksgiving of last year, and one of my marketing uh, plans was to get out there and educate Neosho that uh, we are still open and still uh, operating as assisted living and a wonderful opportunity for seniors to be able to get assistance. Hmm. Well, so a lot of people around here might know it as Spring Hill, but now it's the the Henley Place. And uh, um, 
And so obviously something that you care a lot about deeply is uh, taking care of the elderly and, and the people who, who need a little bit of extra care. And so um, you're going to talk to us today about caretaker burnout. Um, can, you, can you tell us what you think people need to know about that? Well, if I, if I give a little bit of my backstory, uh, I, I did um, work with uh, uh, children over in central Illinois for 20 years in a um, children's home, a Methodist-owned organization. And I noticed after 20 years, I was starting to feel a little old working with children. So hmm. then I started working with seniors, and it made me feel young again. So, <laughs> I, um, But I, I had a, a great uh, opportunity to start working in assisted living for a couple of years in central Illinois, moved down to the St. Louis area, ran a building uh, for about 10 years there, and also did some memory care units along with the assisted living. I worked with uh, AmeriCare uh, close to St. Louis. Uh, the building in Neosho uh, had an o opening and for me to transfer with a company and I was able to come over to Neosho and I have really loved the opportunity to come to this area. Uh, I did like uh, working around the St. Louis area but I did notice marketing around there and going around to meet people. It was difficult to uh, get in the door to talk to people but mm. in the Osho wherever I go people invite me in and I get to sit down and I go to all sorts of different uh, uh, businesses and everybody's been so friendly so I've loved the environment and the atmosphere of this uh, this this town mm -hmm. and so it's been a great experience a little uh, and talking about caretaker burnout today um, a little bit of uh, my story is that um, my first wife, who was uh, six years older than me, she got an early onset dementia and was mm -hmm. diagnosed in her mid-50s, which is, uh, is not as common as you would see with people getting diagnosed in their 70s or 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had a challenge there. Uh, the first few years, it was uh, a moderate form of dementia, and probably most people wouldn't notice it. it you know, forgetting some details, maybe some names like that. Uh, but the last couple of years, uh, she was starting to forget who I was hmm. and to be able to come home. And I, I didn't have anybody, uh, you know, the children were all growing up and they were out of the house. So uh, it was just her and I, uh, and, and to come home and to start losing your partner like that, where um, she would say, you know, you just moved here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, where have you been? Have you ever met our children? And to spend a few hours every single night talking with her, going through pictures, talking about how we got married and, and reminding her until uh, around bedtime, she would say, yeah, I, I think I remember you. And, and um, you know, it's, it's one of those things, people don't know what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And uh, they may get some of the details and they might feel like, oh, I'm sorry that you're going through that. But to, to live it is very difficult. And, um, and the pressure there, it, in, in her uh, situation, uh, she got to the point where she was going to start looking for her family or for her house and start leaving the home. Mm -hmm. And it was just too dangerous. And she is currently living in an assisted living building in Illinois, and she's very safe. Uh, she's uh, uh, living with professionals who deal with dementia, and also uh, she's doing great, actually. Uh, no more uh, panic attacks and, and uh, anxiety attacks, and, and so it's, it's very safe for her. Mm -hmm. um, but um, 
you know, there's a lot of pressure on the caretaker, which I experienced because uh, not only, I, like I told you earlier, I, I work on both sides of the desk. I, I'm on the side helping families mm-hmm. and educating them about assisted living. What can we do for you? How can we help you out? Uh, how can we help out the senior? But I, I've also been the customer. I've been on the other side of the desk where uh, can you help me? And this is what I've gone through. And I know what it's like to... Um, you know, have the pressure that caretakers have. Uh, they either run by guilt. Uh, you know, I can't, uh, I can't abandon my mom or my dad or my grandmother or my my spouse. Uh, I, I've got to be there for them. I've made this commitment. I've got to, I've got to, uh, you know, hold that burden. I've got to bear the load. And um, there's this pressure. Uh, there's this commitment, and and I'm failing them. And um, you know, it, what a lot of people don't understand is that the statistics out there is that often the caretaker ends up passing away before the Mm. person who is uh, needing assisted living. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even uh, people who are taking care of their parents, uh, they say around 30%, if you look up the numbers, around 30% of caretakers pass away before the person that it needs the help. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to uh, uh, seniors, who are the caretakers? Let's say it's a spouse, a husband's taking care of the wife, but they're in their 70s, uh, but she she needs help. And uh, the pressure on the elderly, uh, the caretaker, the, the, the caretaker passing away is 70% before um, the person who is needing the help. Mm. And, and that's just because um, they're, they're saying the stress, mm-hmm. uh, the pressure, uh, the depression, uh, and you just don't see it from a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. but it increases all the time, and it and it, it affects the people's health. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. you know, I uh, in my situation, I could see how that could happen. Uh, the you know, this this was my wife, and and what I had to go through, and and uh, how do you reach out for help? And um, my support group uh, was, uh, you know, my friends, but they couldn't leave their jobs and come over and help me out, and they couldn't, you know, support mm-hmm. me financially to be able to do that. I, it was it was all on me, and um, what you got to go through. Uh, I have a lot of compassion now for families who come in mm-hmm. and talk to me about, uh, you know, I don't know if I should really, you know, talk to my mom about uh, going into assisted living. So I talk to so many families that haven't even talked to, the, you know, they haven't talked to their mom or dad yet, but they're going through this pressure. And the first thing we deal with is guilt. Should I even be here? Should I even be having this discussion? And to let them know this is okay. Because mm-hmm. we reach out for help in all other situations in life. You know, if you break your leg, you go to the doctor. Yeah. You know, if you need an operation, you go to the doctor. If you can't walk, you get a wheelchair. I mean, you always do things to get some kind of assistance. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to um, assisted living, there's this uh, – a lack of understanding out in the public as what is assisted living and um, until they go out and investigate and get some information um, sometimes they're uh, they're feeling depressed or they're alone or uh, you know nobody understands what I'm going through or maybe I'm a bad person Mm -hmm. and I'm not trying hard enough and um, you know so uh, now that I've gone through it and then being on the other side of the desk and when somebody's coming in 
I, I often tell them my story so that they understand that I know what they're feeling and what they're going through mm-hmm. and that it is okay to look for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, I just uh, I think about the physical strain of having to be somebody's caretaker and just how that would run somebody ragged. But also, if it's a, it's a family member, a husband or wife, I mean, the, the emotional strain that, that would be there too, um, which is something that nothing in life could really prepare you for something like that. Uh, that's true. And, and probably my final point on this is because um, I have so many people that are confused, like, what do I do? What do I do? And, and I was in that situation. What do you do? Because if I if I try to get help for my wife, um, you know, how does that affect the kids? Uh, how does that, uh, you know, people in from the church, what would they think of me? Uh, you know, what do I think of myself? Am I abandoning them? Am I giving up? And uh, you really have to uh, clear the table of all of that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell families, and that's what I did for myself, too. You wipe all that off the board, you wipe the slate clean, Mm -hmm. and this is what you do. What is the safest thing to do? That's the question that you answer. Mm. You know, uh, stop all the guilt kind of conversation, all the depression, or what are people going to think, or what do I think about myself? You wipe the slate clean, and you answer this question. What is the safest thing I can do for them? Mm Mm-hmm. You start there. Mm. That's what you do for your spouse. That's what you do for your mom and dad. That's what you do for grandma or grandpa. What is the safest thing to do? Sometimes it's staying at home. Mm-hmm. And many times it's going into assisted living. Or there's different types of helps out there for seniors. And, um, you know, it is a friendly competition but because uh, there's a, other people that do services for seniors in different ways. But uh, anybody who's in this field is passionate about one thing, keeping seniors safe. And that's, that's is, is the safest thing going to assisted living? If that's what it is, then you pursue it. Well, uh, I think one thing we want to let people know about is uh, if, if there's somebody out there, if they're a caretaker, if they could be experiencing some burnout or, you know, could be heading in that direction. Um, but, but either way, Henley Place is a, is a location that can help people with that, isn't it? Uh, that's correct, and uh, we we uh, do many different services for seniors that are coming in, um, and we're an all inclusive pricing. Uh, you know, some some assisted livings do tier type of pricing where uh, they might charge you more as you need more assistance. We're not that type. We do an all inclusive pricing, and we are very competitive in our pricing. And uh, we're a smaller community. In the past, I ran buildings that were about three stories tall and 103 apartments. And uh, it was a very busy and active place. And, and in fact, Luke, you've came out and mm-hmm. visited us. That's and right. you noticed that uh, we're a smaller community, uh, 25 apartments. It's very much more home-like. It's much more quiet. Uh, a lot of Peaceful. seniors like that. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of seniors like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been a joy running, um, you know, that building. And um, you know, I would be glad to be able to talk to anybody who's a senior thinking about uh, looking into assisted living to be able to answer some of the questions or any kind of family member that's uh, needing more information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, if somebody's interested and maybe they want to come chat with you guys about short-term care uh, or anything like that, I mean, is is the best thing to do to 
just stop by and visit or do they need to call and make an appointment? How would that work? Uh, well, I do have drop-bys and my staff are uh, trained to be able to do tours and show people around. And so there's a lot of uh, friendly staff there to be able to show uh, someone around if there's a drop-by. Uh, I just be, uh, realize that we're also uh, serving our seniors at the time. So if you want a little more time than just dropping by and picking up a flyer, then um, be glad to have you call in and we can set up an appointment and uh, talk a little bit, answer your questions. Uh, every family has a different situation. Uh, be able to show you around. And some people are, are kind of kicking the tires looking to try to move in maybe in a couple years. Some people are looking for a couple months. So uh, we can work at any pace for a family. So uh, the, uh, the phone number for Henley Place, 417-451-1000. And uh, of course, after somebody visits, I'll be able to give them my work cell and uh, they can I have a lot of families that text me as uh, as the months go on with other questions that they have and so I try to make myself very open and available for uh, people who, who need information all right well again that uh, the Henley place that's four five one one thousand if you want to find out more about them and we've been speaking today with Scott Douglas you can give him a call anytime if you want to learn more about Henley place he's the community manager over there and uh, hey Scott let's have you back on the program sometime to talk a little bit more about the care of elderly people. That'd be wonderful.